Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 194 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today, we're sponsored by Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes. There are links in your show notes, but you can always go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dancing, the number four, diabetes.com, or dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. On today's show, we welcome Jake Leach back. That's right, the Dexcom Senior VP of Research and Development is back on the show to tell us about new developments with Dexcom and to answer a ton of questions that were submitted by you, the listeners, through Facebook and Instagram. Jake was very generous with his time today, so let's not waste any more of your time getting to the show. I'm not even going to give you the tease about what's on this episode. It's all of your questions and everything Jake was allowed to talk about. All right, before we get to it, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your healthcare plan. Hello, it's Jake. Jake, it's Scott. Hey, Scott. You know we're recording right away. So I, um, you know, besides having you on last time, you said, hey, I'm going to have stuff to talk about after I go to Germany, which I thought was great. Um, I actually reached out into the, into, the, into the world and got a few questions for you that I'm going to rapid fire through at the end if we have time, which I think we will. Awesome. Okay, so the last time you were on, I can't believe I'm saying this. I kind of forget why you came on. I think we were talking about G6. That's right. And it arriving, right? And sort of at the end of the episode, I said, uh, is there you know, anything else you can tell me about stuff that's coming? And you said, after October. So it's after October. Tell me all yeah. the things that are happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to tell you every. I'd love to tell you everything, but uh, I've got uh, we've got a number of exciting things that are now um, becoming public that we can I can talk about, and obviously have a lot of exciting stuff in the pipeline that will also be coming out. But um, insulin insulin partnerships is uh, some of our new newest announcements, so we can spend some time talking about how we're integrating G six with a number of the insulin um, delivery partners. Okay, well I'm thrilled because this is you know the first time that I genuinely have no idea what we're going to talk about. So. I'm uh, excited to find out along with everybody else. Uh, I don't even know where to start. Go ahead. What's the most exciting thing that's about to happen? <laughs> well, one of the one of the things that we um, that Novo Nordisk uh, announced at the um, EASD was that um, we've partnered um, together. Uh, Dexcom and Novo Nordisk have partnered to uh, develop um, a diabetes technology specifically around connected insulin pens. Um, also, sometimes folks call them smart pens, but what it basically is is it's a, um, a number of uh, insulin pens that they are have had in development uh, and are planning to launch as early as next year. Um, and what they are is they're uh, pens that keep track of insulin doses uh, and then communicate uh, via um, a couple different technologies. Some some are NFC um, and some can be Bluetooth. Uh, communicate those readings to your phone. Uh, and so you're um, uh, moving forward. The uh, Dexcom app will be able to um, record insulin doses for those uh, on uh, MDI uh, therapy, 
Um, the insulin pen injections can be loaded into the phone, and then um, you can imagine all of the exciting um, algorithms and uh, decision support technology that can be developed once you have a good, um, uh, valid uh, insulin data communicate to the app. It's, and the whole point is that we want it to be done passively so that the users aren't typing in or trying to keep track themselves of their insulin doses. It's all about the pen, the, you know, the technology doing that for them. Okay. Yeah, because I think that's a, a speed bump for people, really. When you have to log things, it seems good in theory, right, until you're, you know, injecting, you know, I don't know, on a park bench, and you think, I'm not going to put this in my app now. I'll do it later. And you never remember that kind of thing. So these pens are just going to speak to an app, or are they going to speak to the Dexcom app? They'll speak to the Dexcom app. There's also other partners um, that Novo announced that they, uh, partners like Gluco, um, that will also um, be able to access the, the data. So uh, there's uh, quite a bit of um, work going on on developing the kind of architecture and how um, the apps uh, coexist and how the data flows. But um, it's exciting that we have another, originally we had Lily on the pen side, we still do, and now we have the, the next um, large insulin manufacturer kind of coming on board and um, connecting with the Dexcom. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, uh, partnership's been, uh, we've been working on it for a while, um, and so it was just recently announced last month. So um, we're going to you know head down and develop some exciting products for, for both the U.S. and outside the U.S. I have to ask, even though you won't be able to tell me, but is there a timeline for it? Well, what um, what Novo announced is that uh, what's been public is that they're um, expecting to launch some of these pens in early 2019 mm-hmm. um, uh, in in key key markets. So um, you know they have a number of markets inside and outside the U.S. So the plans will continue to firm up, but um, they are planning to get the, the technology out soon um, in you know 2019, which obviously means it's been in development for a while. You know, it's kind of incredible as you're saying this. It strikes me that in the world I grew up in, and I'm, you know, I'm getting towards 50 now, but in the world I grew up in, there'd be, I don't want to call them monopolies, but you, if you made an, if you made an agreement with a pen company, it would be with that pen company. And that would be kind of your power base. Like your power would be in exclusivity, but now the power is in choice. It really is. It's a paradigm shift, really. It's in, it's interesting that you're working with Lily, working with Novo. They all have these smart pens, and you're happy to do business with with any of them that are that are doing good work. It's it's really. Do you know what I mean? How that's sort of uncommon for somebody my age, at least, to look back on the way the world used to work. It is. Um, it is. Uh, um, you know, kind of the uh, always been the key focus of Dexcom to be. Um, you know, we're we're very open. We we feel that um, partners can really amplify the value of our CGM as well as our CGM can amplify the value of their systems. And so, early on, we made the decision to um, non-exclusively partner. Um, our first two insulin partnerships were with Animus and Insulet. Yeah. Um, you know, many, many years ago is when we first started those relationships and said, you know what, we're we're not going to be exclusive. We're we're going to work with um, all the different options because. Uh, you said it's got it's all about choice, um, and some patients choose to use um, an insulin pump uh, for continuous um, infusion. Uh, others um, find the pens uh, kind of their therapy of choice. So it really, um, our goal is to kind of cover as many options as we can with our, our different partnerships, um, both on the pen and the insulin pump side. 
I think it speaks to the quality of Dexcom too, that the pump companies and the pen companies then are willing to, do you know what I mean? Like it's it, it, to, to be able to say, Hey, it's Omnipod with Dexcom or it's, you know, tandem with Dexcom. Like that's kind of, that's interesting. I think, I think that shows that you guys are, uh, are, are leaders in the, in the space for sure. Okay, cool. So, uh, smart pens coming that, that are going to make decisions. Um, and, and, and basically you're going to, what, you're going to start getting not only decision-based data back, but sort of that it'll also log so that you kind of have the, I guess the information that a pump would give you too. insulin on board time left. That sort of idea is all going to be there. We interrupt your regularly scheduled podcast to remind you to go to dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. That's right. That's right. It'll be, you'll have insulin on board. I mean, you can start um, uh, algorithms that give guidance on around insulin dosing. Um, We'll start with insulin visualization, so making sure that the insulin is captured um, particularly in our retrospective views. So you can imagine for the um, uh, healthcare provider, um, when you go into the, the clinic, um, you know, up until this point, the, the information from a um, MDI user is, is fairly challenging because they're giving their doses as they need as they're, you know, eating their meals, but you're not really getting an electronic copy of that. Um, so this, one of the ideas is the healthcare provider is now going to get high quality data um, for, from the um, insulin pens visualized in clarity. So there's a lot of um, opportunity of visualization of insulin data in follow. Mm-hmm. That's another uh, feature that we're looking at because wouldn't it be great to be able to see insulin um, delivery as well as glucose um, excursion within the follow app, um, both for our pump and pen partners. We, we think that would be a really good feature for follow that We've actually already enabled it in the cloud on the back end, and so we just have to do the visualization. And one, we have to have the connection to the partner um, uh, data, and then we um, do the visualizations both in Clarity and in Follow and in the G6 app. So um, a lot of lot of work's been going on behind the scenes there, and now um, we're excited to start getting ready to bring some of it to the market. And, and to extrapolate even further into the future, even though it wouldn't be exactly the same, you could have that app prompt you when to to bolus. So it would almost be like as close as you could get to a closed loop system, but with MDI. Is that reasonable? That's right. That's exactly. Yeah, you got it, Scott. Okay. Um, and we can even um, we can detect missed meal, you know, missed boluses. I mean, you imagine you start to see a glucose excursion with no insulin delivery. Um, you can actually prompt the user to say, "Hey, did you remember?" Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to take that take that bolus. So there's quite. There's quite a bit of um, advice, guidance, help yeah. um, that a system can provide. I think the key has always been got to be easy to use, um, and it, it's got to not cause. You got to get a lot of benefit um, from it, um, you know, in order to be able, to, you know, in order to use the devices. So yeah, these things have to be really simple. So can I ask you to pretend with me for a second? Say I'm using this system in the future, and I'm injecting. And I'm and and it tell and I forget to tell it, hey, I'm having a large meal, and it and it it can see my blood sugar starts going up. So it says to me, hey, did you remember to bolus? And I think, oh, I didn't. And then can it can I tell it? Well, that's the meal I ate around this time. Could it make an insulin decision not just based on the carbs, but on what it's seeing with my blood sugar as well? Absolutely, absolutely. I think the um, uh, you know a bolus calculator. Um, you know, there's lots of them in existence today. 
But um, what what doesn't exist is a is a bolus calculator that not only takes a glucose level into account, but also takes uh, change in direction. Yep. Um, you know, there's a number of protocols and a number of um, you know guidances out there about how to dose insulin based on um, uh, you know glucose change and you know, trend arrows on your on your CGM. Yeah. Uh, but if you imagine that you it would be fairly simple to take that and generate an algorithm um, that just prompts the user with here's the glucose change, here's how much uh, your blood sugar is, here's how much, if it's correction dose, here's how much insulin's on board. Um, and um, then you could basically enter um, carbohydrates. There's a lot of exciting work um, going on in terms of how to help folks estimate carbohydrates. Um, and there's a lot of thought on pattern recognition there. I mean, if you think about it, people don't eat, um, most people don't eat you know, dramatically different meals every day. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of have you have you have quite a few patterns, right? So you could start to understand for a certain person what the different meal sizes look like. Um, so it may not have to be, hey, I'm dialing in an exact number of carbs. Yeah, um, it could be more like I'm having my typical breakfast. See, you're, um, you're going to put my podcast out of business, Jake, because um, I talk <laughs> I talk about obviously pre-bolusing is just monumentally important. But if you miss on a pre-bolus or a pre-bolus in time or a pre-bolus just isn't possible. Then I talk about overbolusing. So bolus for the carbs, then bolus for the spike that's going to come because you didn't pre-bolus, and bolus for the momentum that the food causes. And it's a guessing game right. when you're doing it without an algorithm. All this talk about algorithms and the future is making me excited. It also makes me incredibly happy that Arden is an Omnipod user already. Because once all of this comes together, not only is Arden going to have all of the goodness that comes from this Dexcom stuff, but she's going to have the only tubeless insulin pump to make it all happen. But even before all of that integration is finalized, I believe that Arden is incredibly lucky to be using a tubeless insulin pump that allows her the freedom to live the way she wants without being connected to a device and a bunch of tubing. The best part about the Omnipod really is its small form factor, that it's self-contained, that it holds your insulin, and that when you need to talk to it, it's not connected to something that you have to keep clipped to you. There's this little device off to the side, you push a couple buttons on it, tell it you want insulin, and then there's a wireless transmission that happens between that device and the pod, and the bolus just happened. Actually, a little later in this episode, you're going to hear Jake talk about something about Omnipod that's going to make you incredibly excited. I don't want to spill the beans yet. But trust me, when you hear it, it's going to make you giggle. Like a little gleeful, <laughs> like that. That's not gleeful. <laughs> I can't do it. Anyway, it'll be glee. In the meantime, if you're not already using the Omnipod, today is the day to start. And it's super simple. All you need to do is go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. There you can try a free, no obligation demo of the pod. They'll actually send you one out that you can wear and try for yourself. You can absolutely not beat free. You cannot beat no obligation. Just go on myomnipod.com forward slash juice box, fill in the tiniest bit of information, get the demo, see what you think. Get ready for the future. You want to be ready when the future gets here. You don't want to be standing around like, oh, the future's here? I didn't know. What's next? Well, we've got um, uh, just a quick uh, kind of to touch on on the insulin pump side. Mm-hmm. Um, we One thing I think we mentioned last time when you and I spoke was that Dexcom had recently acquired um, Type 0 Technologies, which is a group in um, Charlottesville, uh, Virginia. It's a spin-out of the University of Virginia. Um, they've licensed technology from the university and have a, a close working relationship with the technologists um, at the university. And what they've developed is um, both uh, closed loop 
algorithms for insulin pump uh, delivery, which is um, what uh, that technology is being implemented in the next generation of the tandem pump. It's called Control IQ, mm-hmm. uh, and so tandems that's clearly currently going through studies. So there's that technology on the insulin pump side that we um, will plan to make available to to our pump partners um, and continue to evolve that technology, working closely with Tandem on a next generation of you know, even past what they're having clinical studies now. Mm-hmm. Um, so we have that technology, but that group also is part of our um, approach to the decision support algorithms that you and I just talked about. So that group um, was doing, it was actually even conducting studies uh, on um, MDI uh, and um, they called it the control or the in-control advisor. It was actually an app that gave um, advice uh, about um, their uh, patient uh, diabetes uh, in terms of uh, insulin and how much to take. And so it was actually recording a lot of information uh, during that study. So that study is still ongoing. Um, and um, uh, we're learning quite a bit about how to implement uh, a good decision support system from that study. Um, and we're basically taking the team from uh, type zero and combining it with some of our internal efforts, uh, you know, to really supercharge this, this focus on decision support and um, what guidance we can help give patients now that we've got, uh, you know, accurate CGM, reliable CGM readings along with insulin data. So we've got the, you know, kind of both sides covered. Um, on our pump side, we've got Tandem, who I spoke about, We've got Insulet with their Horizon system, which was, they've been um, you know, continually um, providing updates on their progress there. Um, they're planning to um, enter a clinical study soon with that. One of the interesting things that they recently announced, I don't know if you heard this, was that they um, are now partnered with Samsung to um, bring to market a ability to um, dose your insulin, so provide your boluses or make pump adjustments from your own cell phone. So it would be an insulin app on your phone that allows you to provide, um, uh, you know, dosing guidance, which is really exciting because you know, we've, we've for a long time at Dexcom, we've always thought that cell phone is a great interface for many, not for everybody, but for many patients, that's a very convenient option. Um, and with the insulin system, you always had this extra PDM you had to carry the, the programmer. And now um, for those who want to use their phone, they, they can use that um connection on their phone. So that that was an exciting announcement that came out at the Samsung Developer Conference last week that yeah. uh, both Infled and Dexcom attended. I haven't dug into that as far as I have, but just the just the overarching announcement in seven days became the second most popular blog post on my blog this year. And oh, nice. I'm assuming, That's exciting. Yeah, I'm assuming you know what the most popular one was, but yeah, it's you guys. Yep. You guys are the. I I think that Omnipod and Dexcom are the are the two most kind of compelling technologies in diabetes, but. Um, but anyway, that's, it's amazing. It's incredible. Can I ask you a sort of related question? Do you guys, do you guys see pumps with closed loop systems? Do you see glucagon ever being necessary in the closed loop or do you think the algorithm will make the glucagon not necessary or do you not care? You know, it's a, it's a great question, Scott. Because um, we have a, uh, we're partnered with um, Beta Bionics, uh, which was uh, you know founded by Ed Damiano, mm-hmm. and his approach has always been to use um, glucagon, uh, you know, the bihormonal. We got insulin and the glucagon, um, and uh, he's you know he, he's produced some really exciting results with that system uh, in both adults and and, and uh, pediatrics, um, you know, in, in different environments. 
And I think what, for, for me, one of the things I always struggled with early on with it, with the, the you know, concept of the glucagon and the closed loop was that there just wasn't, no, nobody had pump stable glucagon. Yeah. So you had to, you had to mix it, you know, and, and a lot of the stuff that Ed was doing was he, every day he had to, he had to mix a new um, version of the glucagon and then put it into the reservoir of the pump. So I always thought, boy, that's a real hassle. I don't know if the benefits are worth doing that. Um, but he can, he believed in the technology. And so he's been working with a couple of different manufacturers on, you know, um, making pump stable glucagon available. Um, you know, so yeah, I think he's made a lot of progress there. I think there's still more road to go, but um, I think it's much more of an, a possibility now that the, you're, you're getting glucagon that can remain stable in a pump for multiple days. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting to see. I think there's, um, you know, there's, there's, it, it's more, you know, a system with uh, two um, drugs in it, um, more complex, um, but, you know, potentially could get better outcomes from it. So the, the answer really is, I don't know. I think we're, we're, we're partnered with, um, you know, folks that are working on um, single hormone and, and with Ed on his, his dual hormone. And um, we'll see, you know, I think what's going to end up happening is the usability of the product and the, the clinical outcomes are kind of the two keys, keys to the product. Um as well as cost, you know, what, how are, how are these um, markets going to evolve over time? Um, my expectation across all the markets is we're going to continue to improve the technologies and reduce the cost of them. Yeah. So that'll be another important aspect of the, the technology. Yeah, there's a small company in Chicago that's getting ready to put their, um, their stable glucagon, I think, into FDA, uh, into the process. Yeah. So, okay. Well, yeah, I just was wondering, like, because it makes sense that if you had, if you had, if you could bump both ways, not just make, you know, kind of, um, you know, future decisions based on, on algorithm data that I I assumed it would be easier, but you make good points about cost and something's going to come up later while we're talking, but okay. That's uh that's absolutely terrific. I'm, I'm at a loss. I don't know what they ask you about next. <laughs> Well, uh, um, I can give you some more updates. So we've um, we started last month. Um, we started launching G6 outside the U.S. So um, we um, have started with some of our key markets outside the U.S., Germany, Switzerland, U.K., and we're going to continue to roll it out um, over the you know coming months. But our plan is to um, roll it out as fast as possible. We already um, overall there's more G- users on G6 than there are on G5. So we've been very quickly. Um, upgrading all all the patients to G6, mm-hmm. um, kind of balancing our ability to manufacture the product. Um, we you know we've been um, continually increasing the the scale of our uh, manufacturing operation on G6, um, and we've had some we've had a, a few struggles. Jake, you broke up. You are completely gone. I can't hear. Jake, did, did I lose you? I definitely lost you. Hold on a second, everybody. Calling Jake on the cell phone today. We don't usually do that. Sorry about that. I guess we got cut off. Don't worry about it. You were set. I think you were getting ready to tell me. You were talking about supply chain. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we're. Um, yeah. We're. We're. Um, ramping g6 as fast as possible <clears throat> and we um are you know excited about what we're seeing in the market um there's more users on g6 than are on g5 now and, and we will you know we, our plan is to get as many people on g6 as possible we recently got approval uh, for medicare with g6 so um, we're planning to launch that as soon as we uh, have capacity to do that um so yeah we're um 
it, you know, it's all things G6. Uh, we're working on enhancements to that platform uh, and also working on our next generation uh, platform, uh, the G7. Okay. So let me ask you a question about supply chain because I reached out into the community and there was a couple of things that I got asked about multiple, multiple times. One of them was that. So it's interesting that some people experience it. Forget what the issue is. Sometimes issues are experienced by some people and not by others, which must be a phenomenon that makes you mental. Uh, but because like, for instance, I have Arden's had the G6 since the limited market release. So we have to be up on six months now, right? If not longer. And we have not had one failed sensor. Every one of them has made it 10 days. But then you'll hear somebody say, I can't get any of my sensors to last more than seven days or six, you know, like that kind of thing. And the same goes with supply. I hear people say all the time that customer service is slower now that they've grown, which we've seen in the past. Kevin's been on the past and talked about that. Like we grew really big. We're trying to catch up with customer service. We'll get there. And that there's a problem with supplies. But as an example, in my life, when, by the way, I want everyone to understand that when I call Dexcom, it's not like a, like a different phone rings to some, I call the same customer service people you do. My account doesn't say the guy from the podcast. And I said, Hey, it's time for me. You know what I mean? It's time for me to order sensors. And I waited for, I was on hold and had the cold done. The whole call was done in less than 10 minutes and the stuff arrived three days later. Why is it different for some people than others? It, it, yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, the, um, I'll, I'll approach it a couple different ways. So um, when it comes to just product performance, one of the things we're very proud of is that as we've continued to scale G6, um, we've been able to keep the product quality high. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what I would say is what, from, from the data that I've looked at with G6, um, often new users to the system, whether they're uh, particularly if they're new to CGM um, or even if they're just new to the G6 system because it is different, um, sometimes it takes a little while to figure out some of the tricks to making stuff. You know, sensors last, stay on, all of those, um, all of those things. So what we've seen is um, new users um, continue to get better um, uh, experiences with the product in terms of sensors lasting, Bluetooth connectivity, all of those things. Once they learn some of the um, tricks to getting, you know, for the for the system uh, to, to work, and we. We've, we're one of the things we're focused on is how do we continue to um, make it so that you don't have to, you know, know the cycle your Bluetooth on and off to to fix your connection or, you know, make sure you really clean uh, the skin and don't use, you know, um, like uh, some sort of lotion on before you put your sensors on, and how you treat the adhesive and all those things, right? But all the things you've learned over years of using a you know CGM product. Um, so, uh, but you know, some some patients, you know, not all sensors last. Um, they they do um, they can before 10 days and so we you know we, we want those people to call in we want to be able to replace their sensors um so i think um you know d- different experiences there are lots of different experiences out there but um from everything i've seen the, the quality of the product is still still very high even though um you know we're, we're um continuing to, to scale manufacturing um on the supply side it's a very it's a very complex story because different people um, based on their insurance and how they get the product, will will determine kind of what what could happen. Um, I'll give you an example. Some patients um, get the product directly from us. Um, some patients get them through a distributor. Right. The distributors make very large orders from us, and then they take those orders and they provide them to the patient. Um, and so, um, depending on which distributor you have, how they do their orders, and when you know we do run into some sort of supply issue, can dictate 
who could run into an issue and who doesn't. Our goal is to make sure that nobody runs into uh, a back order situation, whether it's a direct customer or through a distributor um, or through the pharmacy. Um, because more and more of our patients are starting to get the um, product in, in the pharmacy. So, so um, can I jump in for a second? Yeah. So a distributor, yeah, go ahead. A distributor can throttle, like they can make a decision to throttle their shipments, but that doesn't mean that. So I think what people imagine is that there's a big Dexcom warehouse somewhere and it's empty and there's no stuff in it. And and <laughs> I seriously yeah. I believe that. But I, know, I I I read through this stuff and I think, oh my gosh, thank God I don't have like a market research job because as I'm reading through people's questions, you can sort of see where sometimes this they don't realize that the question's very specific to them, or that just because they went online and saw twenty people say the same thing, that doesn't mean anything because I don't think you guys do. You guys release your actual amount of users? Would you you don't say that? Do you publicly? No, no, I don't, I don't, I don't but, believe we do. But, it, but it's the same. But but if I said that I saw a hundred people saying the same thing, that would be a tiny percentage of the overall users. If, Absolutely, an imperceivable amount almost. And so and, and so that's sort of the internet playing tricks on you once in a while. And when it's happening to you, it's as real as it could be. You, you know what I mean? Like like you you said something just a second ago. It was amazing. Like you know, you put on the the, the new G six, right? You stick it on. You break off the little tab. You push the button, and it's on. But how many people then go back and push down on the adhesive when they're finished? I do that, and they never fall off of Arden. You, you know what I mean? Like as Arden's you know, moving towards her first shower, she'll come to me and say, hey, let's cover this Dexcom before I jump in the shower. Like little stuff that, that, that takes you from thinking, oh, this thing doesn't work, to me just understanding, it, like, oh, this is exactly how this works. There's this thing that is incredibly specific it's this device that's incredibly specific it's static trying to be put on what i'm guessing is hundreds of thousands of different people with different skin types different hand lotions different blah 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 and it's interesting because it's easy to feel like it's you and it must be this horrible problem but i will say that we've been using omnipod forever like a god it's got to be it's 10 years and in the first week i had omnipod three of them must have i took them off and I thought, oh my God, this thing stinks. It doesn't work. And then I realized like two months into it that each one of those was me. Like I just, I didn't do something that I now know how to do. And it, it's just very interesting because when you're caught in that moment, it is super simple to feel like, like this is a, a huge world issue and, and it, it has to be happening everywhere. So my point is, is I believe that when somebody says, you know, I reached out to Edge Park and Edge Park said that there's a supply issue, they are apt to then blame Dexcom, not Edge Park. But is that the case, or how does it actually? And I, I didn't mean to use Edge Park as an example, but like a distributor can throttle their own stuff. That's a supply issue. That doesn't necessarily mean you don't have it. Is that what I'm? Is that right? Yeah. Generally, what it, um, if if a distributor is you know struggling to to meet an order, um, it's generally because um, their shipment from Dexcom either they didn't order enough, or we weren't able to send. Uh, enough, um, you know, to meet their full order, and then we're going to send a bunch more. But because one distributor is running into issue, doesn't mean the other distributors have that same issue, and doesn't mean that uh, Dexcom Direct customers or pharmacy customers will have it. It's one of those you just kind of if if you're tight on supply, somebody somewhere is going to get hit by that, and then um, you know, our goal is to um, prioritize anybody who doesn't have sensors. We got to get you know get them sensors as fast as possible. So. It's one of those things. It's not. Um, it's kind of. It, it, can, it can move around uh, based on you know um, what, you know timing. But we are continuing to ramp, and um, we're gonna. Um, you know, our expectation is um, we'll have plenty, plenty of capacity. We're almost there now, um, and so we 
but we got you know demand is is definitely um outpacing what we thought um we just the awareness around uh dexcom cgm g6 um it's uh we knew it was going to be high but it's a little higher than we planned well that's great um so yeah we uh we we uh you know in hindsight um for our next launch we'll uh you know we'll plan we'll plan for even more demand than we we think just just to be safe and can i can I can we extrapolate that that same statement and sentiment applies to customer service that you're you're adding to that now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We're um, yeah, we're continuing to add more and more folks um, across our different um, call centers, um, depending on it's technical support or um, customer support for orders uh, or patient care um, for uh, you know those that need um, you know extra, extra help. Um, so we've we've definitely got um, all. All those um, headcounts are increasing, and so that we can make sure we can answer get to those phones. Cool. We we keep tight metrics on all the our ability to you know how how quickly can we answer phones, how long are folks on wait, and every time I see a long wait time, I feel feel awful. It's like hey, we got to get you know this person needs help. Let's get somebody on it. So we're doing everything we can to to bring on more folks. It's very cool. It's so funny how cyclical this whole thing is. Like I had this conversation with Kevin two years ago. Like, like <laughs> it's the same conversation. Like I, I'm going to ask you in a little bit, like to explain like how Bluetooth works again, because the people who heard that um, explanation, some of them are off in their lives now. And now there are new people coming on. They need these same explanations. But first, do you have any other, cause um, any other announcements that we haven't touched on yet? No, I think, I think uh, Scott, I think we've hit it all. Okay. So now we're going to, now we're going to play fast money here. All right. We're going to, we're going to whip through and see how quickly Jake can talk. Um, <laughs> I love it. All right. So I have some now questions and some asks. Um, Great. So, all right, so I think some of them we've hit already. There are people who think the sensor failure rate is greater with G6 and G5. Does any of the data support that statement? It, uh, it does not. But um, what I will say is that the adhesive on um, G6, um, although it's a different shape and a little more, actual adhesive material on G6 centers and G5. Um, it's the same patch material. So if you were struggling to get a sensor to stand for seven days, um, it's going to be even more challenging for 10 days. So I think that in, you know, in that aspect, um, let's see in terms of our um, kind of rates of replacement and the rates of um, you know, how many how long sensors last. We're seeing good performance up to 10 days, but people do have issues. And um, you know, then the product doesn't always last a full 10 days. So we, we, um, you know, we're continuing to improve it. We do have a new patch material that will be coming out, um, soon, uh, which, um, is, uh, a little, it's very similar, um, same material, but, um, a little bit more advanced design on the patch side. So we're excited to see how that does in the market. Oh, no kidding. I think um, I have some of that. Somebody did, would, is it possible that a Dexcom rep would have handed me some of that at the JDRF event in Ohio last week? Is it out that far? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I know, um, I know we're close on on it, so I don't know. I know we haven't cut over full production to it. Okay. Um, but you you may have gotten some early access to it. But yeah, it's a little a little stickier. Um, and um, from our clinical studies, we run with it. Um, we've seen um, you know really good performance. Um, folks that were having issues um, with with the older patch sticking, um, this one the sticks even you know stuck better for them, and their sensors lasted. So. Cool. Um, that's, you know, so uh, we're not seeing sensors with G6 be different, but you know, 10 days is longer. So, um, you know, uh, people, people can have issues. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see. And that, and that leads me to the next question. A bunch of people ask me, is the adhesive any different than prior? 
No, no, it is not. Not not on the first year version of G6 that's out there today, but there is a new new version coming that's going to, um, at least from our clinical studies, it should be stickier again. Okay. should is stay there, on longer. Is there a timeline for the new adhesive? Um, it's going to, uh, I don't know the exact time, but it'll definitely be out, uh, within, um, if not this year, next year. Okay. Uh, this is the, the, here, this one was huge. Uh, is my Apple watch ever going to be able to act as, you know, as my receiver without a phone nearby? Yes. The answer is yes. Um, the timing is, um, still, you know, we're still working through all the challenges of, the complexity of the Bluetooth under the hood. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, we've been working on the Apple Watch project since before um, Apple announced it, um, uh, not this, this summer, but the past one. Uh, and uh, what we found through working with Apple and working with the products is that the original user experience from some of the um, initial implementation from Apple, it wouldn't have been what we wanted. Um, it would have been too complex and, and kind of frustrating for most people. So, um, Apple's made a lot of enhancements on the way that the watch um, uh, Bluetooth functions. And so uh, a lot of it um, is very beneficial to the CGM communicating directly to the watch without a phone or receiver model. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so um, we're, we're deep in development on that. Um, and uh, we're working on how to change the Bluetooth protocols within the transmitter so they can't support a direct-to-watch uh, connection. But we will get there. Um, Apple is committed to it. We're committed to it. We're going to make it happen. It's just taking longer than we want and longer than we hoped. But um, it's a very active project. And we're to, I don't have any timing on it, right. but um, it's it's as soon as possible. The new um, operating system for the watch um, it has allowed us to make a lot of progress on this development. Uh, we were a little bit... Um, solved for a bit uh, because there's some challenges with how the system would pair to the transmitter. Um, so, uh, but we, we've overcome quite most of that. There's still a few things we got to fix is or that, figure out how to solve. So is that a hardware issue or salt? Like well, if I have an older wash, may, may, might I just not be involved in this when it finally comes to fruition or was it more about the operating system? If you're listening to Jake right now and thinking, how is it possible? I don't have a Dexcom. It's time to get moving. Dexcom.com forward slash juice There's also links in your show notes. That's where you go. That's where you get this whole process started. Come on, think about it. Listen to what he's saying. No finger sticks, integration, decision-making. Everything is coming like a freight train. The future is bearing down on you like a bear in the woods and you're holding a big honey pot. Here comes it. Here goes. Hey, it's the future coming. Boo, I'm almost here. You hear it? You hear it? It's sneaking up behind you. It's not even that. It's kind of like got big, heavy footsteps. And it's like, it's not even sneaking, really. It's right here. It's coming like, I don't know. What comes fast? Think of something that comes fast. Rain on a summer day. Yeah, like, you know, you're walking around. It's nice out. Then all of a sudden, boom, here comes the rain. That's how fast Dexcom's coming. And the stuff they have right now is spectacular. But the future is so bright, you're going to have to wear shades. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you understand what I'm saying? Dexcom.com forward slash juice box. Don't even let me spend time talking about share and follow. Don't let me spend time talking about no finger sticks. That's all there. You understand that already. The last thing to do is to get it. I don't even, I just listen to the music. Listen, 
I'm gonna go get a Dexcom when this is over because Scott was telling me about it and it sounds really cool. Yeah, that's it. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. It's like you're the predator and Arnold Schwarzenegger is in that movie. What's it called? Predator. And he goes, he goes, he says to the predator, kill, do it, do it now. I'm here. Do it. Just do it. Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. It's mostly about the operating system. Um, I, I believe the very first, the Series 1 watch um, does not work because it doesn't have the hardware. Okay. But the other Series watches do work. Um, and so um, you don't have to have a, the latest Series 4 mm-hmm. for this feature to work. It's the way that we're, we see it right now. You can still have some of the older versions. You just need the latest um, operating system for the watch, which yeah. I mean, almost everybody upgrades right away. Yeah. In the same vein, are you going to um, do this with Fitbit ever? So we um, we do we are working with Fitbit uh, and um, we um, actually recently got a few approvals for some products um, uh, that are for really outside the um, type one intensive insulin space. They're more for type two. One of the integrations there is um, with a um, a Fitbit. It's not direct to watch, though. So it's it's through the phone still. Um, so the, the Fitbit technology, they'll, they'll need to make some changes to the hardware and software on the Fitbit before we could enable a direct connection. Okay. Um, but we are working with them on site. We call it secondary display, but it's the concept of have the convenience of the readings on your wrist. Um, but you do still have, you're still tethered to your phone, but the Fitbit still connects, you know, to the phone. So, um, but we are working on that. Um, and we, we did get an approval recently for a product in the type two space that utilizes it. And so we're looking at how do we take that and apply it to our, um, G6 product. Okay. Okay. Um, let's see. Hold on one second. Oh, here's an easy one. Android, any updates to the Android app? Um, will there ever be a widget or notification that includes the number? Yes, 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 yes. We're working on that. I'm assuming, um, when they say that the, there's the, the, um, I know we call it widgets on the iPhone. Um, there is a display of, um, on, when you swipe, you can see the um, number on Android. They may be talking about follow. Um, I don't believe we have that functionality on the Android follow. Um, but yeah, our, our, we're working on all both uh, enhancements to follow as well as G6, as well as supporting more phones on Android. Um, and so, um, and we we continually have done a number of point releases, you know, fixing bugs, improving performance uh, on both the iOS and yeah. Android apps over the past since we've launched G6. Well, let me let me pop in with this just real quick. It's nothing. I think you probably have to answer, but people want you to know that the Google Pixels aren't allowing follow to override default sounds or alerts with the latest release. Okay. That's so, good. Uh, that's good feedback. I hadn't, I hadn't heard that yet, but we'll, uh, we'll jump, uh, we'll jump right on it. We can, we can beta test you right now. And so I, I love it to the beta information right now. So, um, you did mention G six for Medicare that happened. Is that going to happen? Yeah. 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 We're going to, yeah, we're going, we're going to, uh, launch that. Um, as soon as we, um, have enough uh, supply. Great. Oh, so that's a now thing. That's this year, or not this year, but in the next handful of maybe yeah. a quarter to two quarters situation. Yeah, absolutely. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think Kevin may have give, given some more particular guidance on our last earnings call, okay. um, but just you know, was from last week. But yeah, we're definitely um, you know full force on getting getting ready to launch that. Okay, is there a time in the future we can expect a like a generational leap with the follow app 
like rise and fall alerts like that are you know for rapid rise and fall like no data alerts like being able to use landscape those sorts of things yes yes there's a there's an entire revamp of follow um in progress right now okay uh, all right i see you're not gonna tell me when uh in that same in that, <laughs> in that same vein uh, a couple of people wanted you to know that the watch app looks a little old so there i passed that i agree <laughs> i agree <laughs> i agree we uh it's one of those, uh, you know, for a long time, we were so focused on G6 and all of our, our resources were on G6. And so we were just making the system compatible to make it work. Now we need to continue to enhance the platform. And I, I completely agree. There's a, a facelift is needed. Okay. Um, let me bang through a couple more because then I have a couple bigger questions. Uh, let's see. Oh, here's a small one. I guess the app update that happened recently when you add an event the highlighted dot is gone. That seemed very important to somebody, and I think they would like it back. Uh, <laughs> so I know you. We'll take a look. <laughs> when will we be able to see a number on my watch complications? So not just the the Dexcom icon, but as a follower, when can I look down on that complication and see a number without having to open it up? So that's a, that's a, a very good question, and that's just one of those features that it's on our. We call it the backlog. We have a, a long list of features that we continually work to prioritize implementation, but that is something we, we do want to, it's on our list to implement. Awesome. So it, it will happen likely with a, with a new release of follow. Okay. Um, but we'll, we'll usually, what we do is we'll release features, you know, kind of one at a time, uh, you know, or, or a few grouped together. One of the exciting things is the new um, 510k status of um, uh, the Texcom G6, the class two, a little bit um, faster, our ability to get uh, releases out. So now that we have that uh, from the FDA, we're looking at how do we take advantage of it. And it's likely going to be um, a number of releases with new features being implemented more frequently than you've seen in the past okay. due to the faster um, approval times. I wanted to mention that I got a new Apple Watch and there's the new face that, you know, is the one that I want to use, except the complications are sort like a slightly different shape on some of the watch faces and it doesn't allow for third party complications in some of them. Is that something you're aware of and is that being blocked by Apple or, or, or is your complication just not designed to fit in it? No, it's, it's uh, um, certain, certain complications work in those faces and other ones don't. It's really, Apple really controls. That's, what I that's one of the unique things. They control that watch face. Um, and I think uh, that is, you know, the, the all there's quite. If you get into the details, um, there's quite a few rules around the complications and how often you can update them. Mm -hmm. um, most of it is driven by um, battery consumption on the watch. Right, the more your activity you're doing, the more you're updating um, the complications, the number of complications. All those things have an impact on the battery life of the watch. Wow. And so they've got some tight restrictions that they've they've worked to loosen as they you know get feedback from users and and. Um, you know, developers, um, they get feedback and they make changes, but they tightly control it so that you get a um, you know, repeatable experience on the watch battery life. Okay. Um, yeah, that sounds like something. They don't, they don't want to make a claim about the watch battery life and then have your complication drag that down, and then that's not something they can answer to. It's sort of like, that's right. it's sort of like your problem with Bluetooth, honestly. Like it, it, right. it involves somebody else, and how do you address something with a different company? Uh, hey, a lot of people, a lot, a lot of people want to know when they're, um, you'll be able to increase the number of followers. 
Is that something that's being thought about? Because apparently there's a lot of I have to drop somebody and then re-add people and do a lot of this stuff. With smaller kids, it seems to be more prevalent there with their parents. Is that on the horizon by any chance? It is. It is. It's it's one of the key features of our next generation follow is to be able to follow more, um, uh, have more followers, um, and so and follow and be able to follow more people. So both of those are are on our list because um, we we recognize when we originally developed it five was <clears throat> kind of a number that we optimized around, but um, there's no technical reason why we can't do more. It was just kind of that's where we landed in the original share, and so it's high time we uh, we updated somebody wanted me to ask you if uh you could make it possible to log in the follow app and have that link to the main account so oh it's a good that's interesting so the, have the follower um uh, enter events right and there are events to to meld seamlessly with what's being entered on the other on the um on the person with diabetes phone too so yeah that's good uh, that's good good feedback okay uh g6 for ipad is that coming the, I did, do not. Did we lose that? I I don't know. I don't use my iPad for Dexcom stuff, so I I wasn't. <clears throat> yeah, the um yeah the iPad iPad support um uh, for the, the G6 is no is is not um on the roadmap for right now. Most uh, most of our experiences with the iPad um was that you know the use case there there weren't very many people using it, and the amount of work for us to support it was quite quite substantial gotcha. because every time a new version comes out, we have to, every time there's a new version of the iOS or the phones, we actually have to do a tremendous amount of testing on the inside. Yeah. Nobody sees that, but that's how we ensure everything works properly. And so the iPad was just not, not supported um, for that reason. If, if, if we didn't have to test it as rigorously, it could be, but at this point right now, that's where we're at. We have to do a lot of testing for each, each model of phone, whether it's iOS or Android. So, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, is there in, in actually, I'm going to ask that one with another one. Let me jump to this. Sorry about that. Alert sounds being more user definable. We talk about this a lot. I remember the last time I spoke to you, uh, I talked about a person who was telling me that children, like boys of a certain age can only hear certain pitches and like that, that voices work better. Um, and so people really do overwhelmingly want more options because I think they get alarm fatigue, but someone made a specific, um, ask me the specific question that I like. So not only do they want more sounds, but they want to know if they can define, if you guys can define better the alerts. So the example that was given to me was basically this. Say my target is 110, but my blood sugar is 120. And, but the DEX knows I'm going to be, say, 105 in in five minutes or something like that. Is it really necessary for me to be alerted that I'm 120 if I'm going to be 105 and stable five minutes from now? And are smart alerts like that possible? Um, and so there are two different questions in there. Will we be able to make user-defined sounds? Uh, if we can't, is that the FDA or is it is it just a limitation of the software or something you guys haven't implemented? And can you make it so that it's smart enough not to alert us when it doesn't need to, even though the number might indicate that it should. Dancing for Diabetes just had their huge blowout show. It just happened. If you missed it, it's not too late to find out more about it. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and at dancingfordiabetes.com. That's dancing, the number four, diabetes.com. Two great questions. So the, um, on the, on the user-defined sound, it's, not, it's just something that we haven't implemented. 
Um, but uh, we have talked about it quite a bit uh, because we do get the request. And so um, it, I, I don't see any reason regulatory wise, as long as, you know, we have a default sound. Um, and then the, if the user chooses to select a, a different sound um, uh, that they should be able to do that. So I think that's a good enhancement uh, for the app as we move forward. Um, and then on the smart alerts, yeah, we have a lot of discussion about this internally. We kind of, we basically did implement the urgent low soon alert, which is a kind of a concept of a, of a smart alert where the, the goal is to, um, give the the user more time of uh, an alert sooner in time than they normally would get um, if they're going to be urgently low um, in the next 20 minutes to 30 minutes. So um, I think there's a lot of opportunity for um, smart alerts. I, I've, I know I've heard many times about, um, you know, someone um, has a particular meal and they know their glucose is going to be high and they don't want to continually be alerted. They want to be able to say, okay, I get it. Um, I, I ate some cake and my glucose can be high. Don't keep reminding me. I, I get it. Mm-hmm. Um, remind me and, you know, um, way out in the future if something isn't being corrected. But um, I think that a good, great idea about that concept of if you're above, if you're going above 120, but we know we're, you're going to be 105, particularly if we've got insulin information and kind of some patterns. I, I think there's a lot of opportunity for making alerts and alarms more convenient. Yeah. Uh, I think we've had threshold alerts for a long time. We're starting to introduce some predictive nature, um, and I think uh, convenience is a big aspect. For us, with alerts, it's always about we got to make sure that our instructions about how they work are very clear, um, and that's where the FDA comes in. They, we do, you know, the way that you validate that is you do a lot of human factors um, testing with with actual users to ensure they understand how that alert works. Because the last thing you'd want is to implement an alert where the users you know, some users may understand it, but others may not understand exactly how it works and um, have a different, you know, the wrong interpretation. Mm-hmm. So um, that's where, um, you know, got to be obvious. Yeah, which is sometimes um, I've always been surprised at um, uh, how, how hard sometimes it is to make things obvious because everyone has, a, you know, different assumptions and they approach things differently. And so um, that's a, that's an exciting part of developing, you know, user interfaces is, you know, how can you take lots of different people and have them all, um, have the same assumptions about something. So yeah, it's um, good. Good feedback. Okay. Have you ever used Photoshop Elements? There's a. I have not personally. So, our teammate. So there's. It's an interesting in in it in that you can choose to use Elements as a beginner, as a as an intermediate, or as an expert. And as you click on tabs at the top of it, it changes what the app does. It's pretty. It's fascinating. I, I know it's not something you could ever do, but it's. It made me think of it while you were where you were talking about that. So in the yeah. in the end. What you guys make has to work for everybody. And just because some of us might be more expert users than the other doesn't mean we can leave a new person behind and them not understand their, their alarms and other things. I, I get it. Okay, a couple quick. I have kept you way longer. Are we okay? Yeah, we're fine. Okay, cool, cool. Um, let's see. Apple CarPlay? Is that ever, do you think that'll ever happen? It could. We've, we've prototyped with it, actually. Even a, a couple of years ago when it first came out, um, we had uh, we had CarPlay stereos, or enabled uh, stereos on engineers' desks, and we were, we were playing with it. Um, uh, we, um, you know, haven't, uh, I don't think we've kind of figured out how, you would, how we'd bring it to market yet, but it, I think it's an exciting option. So it's definitely something we've, we've looked at and we're looking at. Uh, web access to follow. That's something simple, like as a maybe like a little widget or something on my screen, something where I could see somebody's blood sugar without having to open up a phone or something like that. 
Uh, I know there are third, there's a third party option, which to be perfectly honest, I'm looking at right now on my screen. It works great. Um, <laughs> so, so if you can, uh, <laughs> apparently they want your version of it. Uh, oh, here's a small one. When I clear my alerts on my, my watch, can they please clear my alerts on my phone too? So I don't have to clear them twice. Is that a limitation of iOS or do you just have to tell? It's them? not, it's not, no, it's a, it will, it, it was a limitation of some of the earlier um, uh, designs and also a little bit of the kind of regulatory approach. One, one of the unique aspects of is if you can clear alerts on your watch, um, it's, it's not, it's no longer considered a secondary display. Um, it's more of it's in control now of the system. Mm-hmm. So the regulatory um, kind of approval cycle for that in the past was different. Um, now that we're at the 510K, we can fix that. And so it's in it's on one of our um, higher items on the backlog of features to implement. So we, we do recognize that would be much more convenient to be able to acknowledge it on your watch and not have to go back to your phone. Okay. So we, we will fix that, and it's not a limitation um, of the, the device. Okay. So... Two, two more questions, slightly bigger ideas, and then I'm going to ask you about Pipeline, and then I'm going to let you out. So uh, one person asked, are you guys happy with your MARD value, or is it something you're always working on improving? Um, I would say we're happy with it, but we're also always working on improving it. Um, the, you know, the sensors work. They're very reliable. Um, but as everyone's experienced at times, um, it can be inaccurate. And so I... I uh, there's always um, places for us to look, and so the team that's you know continually at Dexcom worked on improving performance is going to continue to do that. So we're we're really uh, my my main focus is now um, not on um, you know the average metric, but it's you know the MERD metric. I'm way more focused on anything that's more than twenty percent off of a blood reference. Mm-hmm. Um, it was kind of the um, outside of 2020 those. Those metrics that we capture 30% off or 40% off, we have a very small number of readings that are in those areas, um, but those are the ones we're focused on um, because, you know, we've, we want the system to be as reliable as possible. So we'll never rest. We're going to keep, keep – we're the performance leader, and we intend to stay there. Excellent. Uh, is there any – um, you know, I, I feel like people talk about waste, like recyclable waste with G6 more than they did with G5. And I, it's funny because when I hold the G5 inserter and I hold the G6 inserter, they don't feel like one doesn't feel much heavier than the other, which in my mind means it's not that much more material one way or the other, but I think it just looks bigger. And so it bothers people more, not that it shouldn't, but do you guys ever talk about recycling programs now or, or is that not something? We do. We we talk, yeah, we talk about recycling programs. Um, we also talk about, you know, kind of next generation, our, our next generation platform, you know, kind of making the um, applicator device even even smaller uh, with even less less plastic involved. And I think the complexity is, it is, you know, getting the sensor under the skin isn't as simple. Um, there's a lot of important aspects to it. It isn't just like slipping it under the skin. There's how the needle inserts, the speed, the size, um, the force, all those things. And so the... The G6 was our, our first um, automated applicator with all that technology built in. Um, and um, we do talk about recycling programs with it, but recycling medical waste is, is a bit challenging. Um, it has to be deconstructed, the, right? It has to be pulled, taken. Yeah. You know, and it's one of those things that it, there's a lot of cost involved in that for, for, you know, depending on who's paying for it. And so just, it's one thing we are, we are very aware of it. Uh, and um, we, um, 
Yeah, I think with G6, you, you do have less applicators per year than you do with G5 because it's a longer sensor life uh and um but you know we're we're aware of it and we we want to continue to you know make the the products you know as environmentally friendly as possible but the reality is you know that it does take technology to get that sensor under the skin yeah hey um if someone sees a, a blood sugar it's just off they're testing and, it, and the cgm's not it's not saying anything close to what their their phone says even as g6 you want them to calibrate then or no what, what are they supposed to be doing then no, usually, um, my particularly, yeah, with, I mean, with G6, my recommendation is if you take a finger stick and it doesn't match your readings, um, or if you're, you know, if, if, if your reading on the phone just seems way off, uh, you know, on your display, if, if it, the CGM reading isn't what you expect, um, take a finger stick, double check. I mean, you don't, you don't ignore your symptoms or, or what you think things should work. So you can trust it. Take a finger stick and look. Um, I think what, uh, uh, the way that I recommend folks use it is not to calibrate right away because often um, the errant signals in CGM resolve themselves. Um, and so if you see a, like a persistent error uh, or a persistent difference between the finger stick and the CGM, um, then uh, and you don't think it's resolving, then calibrate. But, you know, give it some time. If you, you know, if, if it's, you know, CGM's not reading accurately. Don't don't immediately jump to calibrating because what we've seen actually is that if you calibrate a CGM during a um, signal error, um, you can actually cause more damage than help. Uh, and so you, you want to kind of let it let it go for a little bit, um, and then only really enter calibrations um, if you're not seeing the sensor signal go back to what you expect. Gotcha. Okay. Um, there was a there's a lot of questions that I don't think are you because because you're you're R&D, but if you could pass on to anybody, you know, obviously always cost access. Um, you know, people want to know if there's a coupon day, stuff like that. Um, you know, but it's, you know, I, I got a specific note from someone who listens in South Africa and they're like, it's here and it's available, but I can't afford it. And is there, is there, is Dexcom helping to make that more affordable? Like, are they working with the entities that could help that be more affordable? Um, you know, it's just, it is, is CGM just something that's not affordable for everybody, or is it something that we hope that one day it will be? And behind the scenes, you guys are working towards that. We maybe just don't see that day to day. I think the the, the answer to the access is definitely yes. We're working um, behind the scenes on a lot of things. Um, Medicare was a big push for us. We have a number of folks internationally that are working across the different um, markets and the dynamics in those in those places. Um, and I th- and so. Access is going to continue to get better as it has over years. You know, um, more states are starting to cover um, Medicaid's of different states are now covering, um, I think, with the movement of Medicare. So I think in the U.S. reimbursement is um, it's always slow, but, it, you know, access. We've, but we've got, um, you know, vast majority of, of uh, folks with um, uh, private plans or even public now um, plans are, are covered. It's some capacity, and I think uh, as we continue to improve the technology, um, cost you know ultimately the costs will come down of the technologies as we come out with you know future generations. Yeah. Um, and so I think CGM is going to get to the point where it can replace finger sticks as the the um, you know I think it already has in many places, but I think across the world there's still some work to do to get CGM access um, better. I think a lot of it has to do with um, you know the, the the amount of product in the country, the volume, the distribution, all of those those aspects. So I do see CGM um, 
in the future being the um, a lower lower cost overall. overall. But I think it, it takes time because we have to develop the systems that both have the level of performance that users need, as well as the cost. And, I, and those those are you know in, in a lot of the technology you're competing requirements, and so there is a way to balance them. And, and we you know, are continuing to make progress on both performance and, and cost. Let me ask you this, um, and I'm just going to come right out and tell you, like, if you can't say or you're uncomfortable, I get it. But there is a less expensive CGM available. Did they, do, in your opinion, it isn't, is it not the same quality? Is it not something? It's definitely, it's definitely not the same performance. Um, I think uh, if, if anybody looks at the performance numbers or even just talks to folks who have experience with um, the other competitive product, I think it's... Um, uh, they'll they'll know that the, the system is not as reliable in the hypoglycemic range. Is that it doesn't have um, today? It doesn't have you know kind of any kind of alerts or alarms that could signal you. So, what you know, I'll give you an example. What we've seen in Europe is that uh, the healthcare systems are willing to pay more for the Dexcom product because of the feature set, the alerts, the alarms, the performance. We even have some uh, areas uh, you know, health. Um, payers that call out the share feature is an important aspect of the system and they're willing to reimburse it for a higher rate because of that. Yeah. So um, I think it, it's well recognized. I think patients recognize it as well as payers and, and physicians. They recognize that there's a pretty significant difference between the two products. Um, but, you know, the way that I would look at it, competition is good. I'd, ra- I'd rather have a competitor than no, no competitor. So I think, um, yeah, I think it makes us all better uh, and we all strive and push push each other. So I like industries that have competition and um, I, I, I like the fact that we do have some competition in the glucose monitoring space. Yeah. Uh, Jake, I've sat in a car that you can buy for $10,000. I've sat in a car you can buy for 50, for 70 and 120. I can't afford a $120,000 car, but when I'm sitting in it, I get the idea of why it costs $120,000. And so I think there are levels of, there are levels of what you need to expect out of things. And it's easy to say, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm in, I'm, there's some Mercedes over there I can't afford, but you know, why can't it be as cheap as this Hyundai? And I think there's a reason, you, you know what I mean? And, and I just didn't know what you would think of it. And it's a tough question for me because I mean, we're, you know, we're, we've been with you guys for a really long time. I believe what you're saying, but I didn't want to, you know, I don't, I didn't know how comfortable you were talking about. So I, I appreciate that very much. Um, I guess the last real question I have is then, it's is G you, you mentioned G seven so G seven's next but is G seven the last of that that kind of I don't know I don't know features like like form factor are we going to move to something smaller after that is that the goal or or could there be a G eight while you're still working on something else I guess Verily is next right yeah yeah Ver- Verily is next we're working very closely with them on this next next generation platform um, and yeah there's there will be G, G8s and G9s and G10. I mean, we're going to continue to innovate in all the areas we want to, which is you know cost, convenience, performance, um, and outcomes is a new one, right? I mean, trying to, you know, we've, we've, for a long time, we've provided reliable glucose readings, um, uh, but now it's all about what do you do with that information? How do you uh, get a better outcome for for the user uh, with, with um, you know, advice, um, connections to our insulin partners. So there's still a tremendous amount of opportunity, um, to, uh, you know, 
to continue to evolve the system. And so, yeah, there will be, there's multiple platforms. G, G7 as well into development, um, which is how med, you know, in product development in general, but also medical devices that, um, where you have to run clinical studies, you, you, you work on them for many years, um, before they become public. Okay. Yeah. There, hey, listen, there's a, this is a, a little aside, but I hear anxiety from people a lot because now the, used to be able to get a transmitter ahead. Like you used to know if, if the transmitter, you, when the transmitter you had was done, the next one was sitting with you, but th- the insurance companies, mine, I have pretty spectacular insurance and I'm in that situation too, where Arden sensors just arrived the other day, but I was not allowed to order another transmitter yet. And I don't, I know that's a very backroom kind of thing, but if it could be impressed upon the, the the providers that there is a lot of just quality of life comfort where it's not in the back of your head, oh my gosh, what do I do if this should happen? I mean, there's a lot of value in that for people. So I don't I don't know if there's a way to pass that around and, and make any impact with anybody, but I know what it impacts a lot of people. So um, I just I don't I thought that was worth mentioning here at the end. I can't. It is. It's a great point. We uh, we we recognize that and we. Um... Um, yeah, we'll, I'll make sure that the, the folks uh, continue to communicate that, but we, we fully, uh, appreciate the amount of anxiety that can happen, uh, you know, when managing diabetes and, you know, the fact that you, you know, if you can't, and if you don't have extra supplies, you don't have that transmitter, it's, um, you know, it's not a good, not a good feeling. Yeah. And I'm not looking for enough to, you know, stock up 10, you know, 10 people with diabetes for a year. I just want, I just want one, just enough to think that if something were to happen to this one, you know, that was outside of the parameters of expectation that I wouldn't then have to wait. I know it seems kind of crazy maybe to think, but for some people having to wait two days is a long time, you you know, having to wait, you know, and then some people fall into that. Well, my, you know, my distributor is two weeks out and blah, and it's just, it's a strange space for people to be in. So I appreciate you saying that. Jake, you stayed on way longer than we were supposed to, and um, I'm assuming I'm going to get yelled at about that later, but I really appreciate that. This was really fantastic, and uh, you went through every one of these questions, so uh, kudos to you for hanging on like this, and, and I really appreciate it. I hope you're nowhere near those fires out there. No, we're lucky. We're lucky in San Diego. We're, um, we don't, uh, uh, we're not near the fires, although, yeah, I feel, feel for everybody uh, affected, and um Really appreciate the time, uh, Scott. Wonderful discussion, and uh, yeah, don't worry, no one's no one's going to yell at you. I, I um, this was great. I'm already married, Jake. I don't need to be yelled at by other people. Okay. <laughs> I, I appreciate that very much. Uh, yeah, I really do. I, 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 you know, whenever you have stuff to talk about like this, I love having you on. So thank you very, very much. Okay. Look forward to the next uh, our next chat. Take care. Have a good day. Thanks, Scott. Thanks so much to Jake Leach for coming on the show. Thank you to Omnipod, Dancing for Diabetes, and Dexcom for sponsoring. Please go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox. Go to dancingthenumber4diabetes.com or go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. Of course, you don't have to remember any of those because if you go into the podcast app, there's links right there. There's also links at juiceboxpodcast.com. If you enjoyed the episode and you're looking for a way to share the podcast, go to juiceboxpodcast.com. Go to the page specific to this episode, copy the link, and take it out and share it in the world. I don't know where, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you talk to people. That would be wonderful if you could do that. Let me end by saying thank you for all the new ratings and reviews on iTunes, for everyone who shares the podcast, and all of the wonderful emails that I've been receiving. You all are far too kind. I'll be back next week.